What's up, everybody? Welcome to Studio Wesley Annex, the audiovisual podcast where we talk about the lectionary texts of the week. We're here with the crew, but we have a new person. We have a special guest star. That's how I'm going to refer it. Grace, how's it going? Oh, it's it's going. This is wild to me. This is just so great because I keep seeing y'all have like the best time on here. Oh. I know I get to be part of it. Oh we're <laughs> no, so glad. Great. We're so it's glad. That you and Allison just brought up your matching matching cups. They well, that's it's so a good, they don't match. It's a good yeah, color. It's the color palette. It's the color palette for me. It's very Easter. We're in a picnic though, but you know. Um, My cup looks like I went to CC's pizza. <laughs> See, but Grace's cup matches your background, so it kind of all comes together. And your cup it's matches. It's like we live together. Background. Oh, okay. I think my cup matches Allison's background. There we go. Oh, uh, Sydney's cup matches the, some of the circles in Grace's background. There we go. This is very yeah. connected, guys. Everything's connected. Are you we're far away, but we're all connected. The audience is riveted by our by our exchange about. Um, yeah. I was just going to talk about the fact that I um I always put hot chocolate in a coffee cup to make it seem like I'm more adult than I am. And uh, nobody is the wiser, except for everybody that listens to this now. Anyways, Allison, how's it going? I'm good. I have no complaints right now. All good. Hey, that's. That's so good to hear because, you know, you always complain on the show. Listen, listen, the semester's starting tomorrow, so I think I'm recording again on Tuesday. You'll find out after that. Right, right, right. Stay tuned. Sydney, how's it going? It's going good. Um, yeah, that's that's all I have. Um, I will say, Mike, that I'm, I'm a barista, and I love it when adults come in and order hot chocolate. Like it makes me so happy. I'm like, yes, get you a little hot chocolate. Sometimes they'll get steamers, which is literally just milk and like vanilla. <laughs> That's so cute. I just love it. <laughs> that actually makes me feel really good because I'm always embarrassed when I do it at Starbucks or whatever. I'm like, um, uh, hot chocolate. For, um, <laughs> I love it. Person with me. Um, yeah. Oh, that that <laughs> that makes me feel really good. Okay. Um, Sydney, would you like to open us up in prayer before we get rolling? Yes. Let us pray. Um, God, thank you um, again for this opportunity to get together once again. Um, we do not want to take advantage or not be grateful for any single time that we get to get together and um, share and have fun and listen to each other and learn from each other because each time is special special and each time we can grow um more together so just thank you i pray that as we start this new year um we <clears throat> just continue in a posture of gratitude and of humility and um and of openness always ready to um reimagine what um scriptures um might have for us even if it's something we've read a billion times that there's always something new to be learned or experienced so um yes just be with us during this time in your precious name jesus amen yay all right so neat and you're up first <laughs> let's do it let's do it uh no pressure but this will be the first one grace has seen live so you know <laughs> yeah let's just get into it so i think it's so funny that i'm going first um because this is a very <laughs> spicy i guess scripture um spicy not in like a fun way spicy in like a there's a lot to unpack your way but um the new testament scripture is First corinthians 6 12 through 20 which i'm sure many of us heard especially us who have um, grown up in churches that were real heavy on purity culture. It is a scripture on sexual immorality. Um, and, you know, I am glad I got this scripture because I am quite comfortable going on rants about um, sex and sexuality on the internet. I think it's something I'm known for at this point. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, let's just, I guess, let's just dive in. Um, I think that 
I always want to acknowledge like at the top with scriptures like this that like it's okay to I guess pace yourself and take your time when it comes to unpacking these things because scriptures like this have had such a huge cultural impact on our society and on so many of us that like take your time with it um you know if you need to revisit it another day like that's fine too um but with that I think that it's important for us especially those of us who are in the process of working through maybe trauma or negative experiences of growing up in purity culture and with maybe an abstinence only education to also not shy away from engaging with scriptures like this because um it is an important conversation um sex and sexuality is like a human phenomenon that impacts so many of us in so many different ways and so it's we can't just exit the conversation we have to still be in the conversation and engage with these scriptures i think with like curiosity and with like a desire to explore and like reimagine what the scripture means for us. Um, and so I think that coming from my lens now, this scripture I feel is like one piece to a much bigger conversation. Um, so like with scriptures like this, I think we have to, in the year 2024, hair scriptures like this with the like robust and like growing, continuously growing body of like literature and knowledge and specialists on these topics. Because this scripture is coming from, as we know, a very specific culture, a very specific lens, a very specific time. And we have all kinds of different knowledge now and all kinds of different social standards that we have to integrate it into other materials, other bodies of knowledge. So I think my biggest advice for engaging with scriptures like this is to pair it with, you know, reading books on sexual health, reading books on sexual ethic, um, following sex educators online and um expanding the i guess like um the uh materials that you're engaging with um yes yeah, so and i think that's just like a big mistake that we've made with in christianity with our sexual ethic for so long is thinking that the Bible, and I'm on a tangent now, I promise I'm going to actually talk about the scripture, but <laughs> that the Bible says enough to give us a solid sexual ethic. I think the Bible doesn't say nearly enough. I think that the Bible gives us these little tidbits and of like, don't, you know, have sex with whoever you want or don't have sex with, you know, prostitute. And it's like, that's not enough for us to really form a strong sexual ethic. So I guess that's where I want to start is just like the Bible is one piece to something so much bigger. And um, it's not enough for us to really form and shape our own personal sexual ethic. So I guess I want to like reframe a couple points that are made in this scripture. Um, the scripture starts in verse one saying, we'll start at verse 12. Um, I have the right to do anything, but you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. And I actually really love this. I really love this as a, a starting off point to the conversation, because it is true that in a world where we have so much sexual freedom, um, it is so important for us to acknowledge that not everything is good for us and not everything is good for others. 
and we've been told very specific standards in our society about what is and isn't good for us. But I think that's where it come, the piece comes where we have to do our own personal exploration because, okay, so like if everything is permitted, then what is not beneficial to me? What is beneficial to me? You know, like not only what is immoral, but what is moral when it comes to sex, sexuality and so on. Um, and so, you know, it, it talks a bit about, um, you know, all these pieces that we've heard so many times, um, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, the, you know, the body is the Lord's, um, and, and then there's this piece that I think has to, we have to do a lot of work with where it says, um, it talks about prostitutes, um, you know, that you shouldn't have sex with prostitutes because you become one with the prostitute. And I think that this is a great instance of like, not just taking it at face value and then running with that to like really unpack what it's saying here and what that means for us now. Because one could read that and be like, yeah, you don't want to have sex with a sex worker, engage with sex workers because that makes you, um, that makes you dirty or whatever, because that's a dirty person. But really what I really feel like it's important for us to get out of this is the concept that like the people that we engage with sexually are human beings. Like whether it's a sex worker or whether it's just a person that you know in real life or whether it's, you know, these are fully humans with lives and experiences. And so, you know, we, like when we're thinking about sex, we have to remember that our, the things we pursue for our own, like sexual gratification, don't just impact us, they impact other people. And so that, you know, gets into the conversation around consent and how important consent is and how important a, a comprehensive understanding of consent is. And it gets into the conversation about sexual health and it gets into the conversation about, you know, I hope I don't make anyone uncomfortable, but like porn and how like that is also engaging with sex workers. And so it's just like, we can't, again, just take scriptures like this take the literal words that it's saying and apply it to our lives, we have to look at a more, what it means for us in the bigger picture. Um, and so, yeah, when you do engage with somebody in a sexual way, you are having an energy exchange. And, you know, I wouldn't say that, you know, we always think that like you become one, meaning that like you're not a whole person anymore. But I think in a sense, you, you do become connected in a way that, you engage in a, a vulnerability that leaves an impact on each other, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And so anyways, I could go on a tangent about this forever. I think that later in the scripture, it mentions the idea of our body as a temple. And that's something that gets used a lot is like your body's temple. Therefore, if you have sex outside of marriage, then you ruined your temple and it's like unholy. But again, that introduces this really important conversation of like sex as something that has an impact on our bodies. And so are you, are you being thoughtful about that? Are you being thoughtful about your health? Are you being thoughtful about the, your, uh, a mental and psychological health when it comes to sex? Are you being thoughtful about this stuff? Are we approaching it with the thoughtfulness and the seriousness that of the impact of of sex on each other. And so, um, I've said sex so many times and I think that's the most I've ever said it in, um, annex. <laughs> um, I would love to hear what y'all think about this, but yeah, there's like a lot here. Yeah, no, I think this is great. That probably is the most that's, that, that's ever been said on an yeah. annex. But, yeah. But hey, the scripture demands it. Um, I, 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 I want to start on like the broader applicability of what you're talking about because, I mean, just on a very surface level or, like I said, broader context, like just being able to initiate that conversation of like, there are so many things in today's world that the Bible doesn't have statements for or things that like are 
modern day context is so much wider than the scripture talks about. Like, like scripture doesn't talk about porn directly because we don't have that directly. Like that didn't exist or there, or maybe versions of, but it's different. Right. So, so just on a broader applicability, I think that's so important to name when we're talking about like, um, demographic like people that would be listening to this right the demographics that would be pertaining this like if you're engaging with scripture like we have to be able to acknowledge the fact that modern day is different than the context in which these things were written so like sometimes those words don't have direct applicability and and it is it's like almost we get into a dealer's choice of like whoever's reading this get like makes up their own way of how this applies and then you know, things get dicey. So, um, on a, on a broad scale, I think, I think that's really important to note. And I love that. That's kind of how you started with this. Um, I mean, I, I think so much of what you said is, is awesome in the more specific context as we engage with sexual immorality in a, in a modern day context and what that means and like whether or not it, like the degrees of shame that people may feel reading this, that, they don't deserve to feel, you know, necessarily. So um, I think you handled all that beautifully. I just wanted to open it up by talking about the broader context. So yeah, thanks. Yeah, I, if I can talk about um, just some of the context, not actually from the New Testament, but from the Old Testament. Seminary, the first semester has already changed me and I think I'm a song of songs girly. Um, it's just so cute, but that also means engaging a lot in sexual discussion, right? Um, and really they just love each other so much, but we're talking about Corinthians. Um, I guess I had like two comments, um, one about like the older context, um, with a lot of the like back and forth, right. Of the Jewish people being like moved into one culture and then put into a different culture and kind of being like taken back and forth or being like left behind when like others are taken. Um, a lot of times what some of the men were doing, right? Because the women didn't, they didn't really have that choice. Um, a lot of times what the men would do is they would leave their um, Jewish wife and then like remarry or just engage with a woman of like that, like the new culture that they were being like shoved into as like, a social status change and right like to me that feels a lot more sexually immoral because it's a it's turning into a means mm. you know and if we're if we're treating our bodies as temples right like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go find a different temple because it's a better like social thing for me mm -hmm. you know um and women are not buildings right women are women um but I don't know, like thinking about that with this is just like, let's be respectful, I guess, is like the message one, Sydney, that like you're, I'm hearing from you um, and it's a beautiful message, right? But like respect means so many different things now because like you're saying, like we just, there is no direct, the scripture doesn't talk about porn. The sex work is completely different than it was back then. Um, yeah. And then also I was just reading this today. So it's really, it's really interesting how like it, it comes up now. Um, somebody just on the, the internet, you know, how people talk was sharing how, when they were in youth group and they do the little paper crinkle or they do the little, like, here's a flower and crush it. And who's going to want this flower that you just crushed? That's your virginity. Um, <clears throat> But this one person, they loved that flower, like even afterwards. And so they took it home and they like encased it in resin. And then they said when they brought it back the next week that everybody like wanted it. And, and like even like the youth director like really wanted it for like some reason. <laughs> and I just find it funny how, <laughs> right? Like once we decide to like value something and respect something, Possibilities are endless. Mm -hmm. Possibilities are endless. Yeah. Um, I always, okay, I have a couple of thoughts here, but I always, 
So I am not someone who grew up in purity culture. Um, I just, I really didn't grow up in the church until high school-ish. And so I just, by the time I was in high school, I already had my own thoughts, opinions formed. Like it wasn't like, it didn't have that much of an impact on me. Um, And so I constantly find myself in these spaces, you know, with ministry, college age, young adults, where we are constantly talking about them. And so I really appreciate um, kind of the route you took of like, let's talk about, you know, what it is, where it came from. Let's talk about the scriptures. Let's talk about what we could be doing besides just reading the scriptures and saying this is a thing. Um, because I think it helps because there's always this um, as a I'm a social work student and something they always say is like, we can never say we understand because we'll never understand what someone's going through because we've never been in their shoes. And so it's like one of those things where I can never say like, I understand purity culture because I don't. Um, but it gives, it gave me like this little peek of like understanding more of like what goes on for someone who was in purity culture, who did grow up in purity culture. And so I just kind of appreciated kind of the route you took there. Um, Cause I think it was super helpful for me. Cause that's something like I'll end up in these spaces. And I'm like, I don't know a, like a ton. I, I don't know the experiences of it um, just because I had that different kind of experience growing up. Um, so I do appreciate that. Also, I just think it's funny because halfway through you talking, Sydney, my brain was like, this is such a good time to like shamelessly promo talking mental health because she did an episode with me on, <laughs> on sexuality and it was so good. And that was, my brain was like, is this appropriate? I'm going to say it anyway, <laughs> because, because they did, it was, it was a phenomenal episode and it was similar conversations. And so anyway, I just, that was also good. That, I think that that promo is totally, totally well, well placed, Allison. <laughs> we we appreciate it. We love that. Um, all right. We, I'm sure we could talk about this topic all day long, um, but we are going to move on to Grace with the Old Testament first Samuel. Grace, you feeling good? I here's the thing, Mike. I would be feeling so much better <clears throat> if I had just one of my commentaries. So this is your PSA. The next time you wonder, like, do I need to bring my Old Testament commentary or my women's Bible commentary or just my book of Old Testament commentaries to your Christmas vacation? You do. You do. You never know when you're going to need it. And that's right now. Really, it was like hours ago. But <laughs> it's yeah. Gonna, so. it's, we get the grace commentary. That's all we need. Buckle in. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, the Old Testament passage, it was 1 Samuel 3, and then kind of 1 through 10, but kind of after 10, seeing the impact as well. So really the whole thing, 1 through 21, um, <clears throat> which also means 1 Samuel as a whole book, and then First and Second Samuel, and then all of the Old Testament. <laughs> but um, this is the passage where... Um, Samuel is still a little boy. He's still a, a kid. Um, and his mom has like given him over. She promised God, like, if you give me a child, right, you've closed off my womb, but if you give me a child, this is, this is your child. He's going to do whatever you need. And so Samuel has been given over and he's kind of growing up with Eli, um, the current, the current priest ruler, whatever. Um, and so this is when Samuel keeps hearing God and God's saying like, get up, come here. And Eli, or sorry, Samuel has no idea what's going on. And so he keeps thinking that Eli's calling after him. And then Eli catches on and he's like, say that you're ready to work next time. Um, so this is the grace commentary. <sighs> it is just really interesting to me all of the past like chapter in first Samuel two, it was talking about how like Eli's sons just blasphemed all over um, like people's sacrifices and like the animals and the meat that people have brought in. And so because of that, right, like Eli, Eli himself is, is, is being punished and his children um, in and yet he's still hearing God and knowing what to do. Um, and it really stresses me out whenever God does these, like, just really, to me, wild, does not need to happen type of thing. But there's this kind of back and forth always in the Old Testament of you have a good ruler 
And then the next ruler just absolutely sucks. And then he, or he could be a great ruler. And then he does this really awful thing. And so then all of his children are cursed. And then later you get a couple children down and then there's an excellent ruler and he's like the perfect ruler. And then he does something just awful and then he gets cursed and then it keeps going. And there's plenty of variations. Um, so it's interesting to me to seeing this ruler who got cursed and all of his like, offspring their um curse is like the wrong word but he's being um <clears throat> yeah he's he's gonna punish him and yet he still is doing these really great things and he's still like in tune with god um i think very black and white usually so it really gets me especially regarding people and it's something that i work on every single day but it just really gets me whenever somebody here is like he's been cursed by God and yet he's like in tune with God once and he's choosing to like bring up the next like blessed leader of the Israelites. Um, yeah, I mean, I could say plenty, but we'll go from there. Yeah, I um I don't know that I necessarily have anything to add to what you were just saying, Grace, but I I appreciate the way you tell stories, I think, because I say this in like every couple of Annex episodes. I always say that like it just comes up or like reading the Bible is so hard and understanding what's going on is so hard. Um, and so I just appreciate the way you told that story because I feel like it was so much easier to like set in that that is what is happening. Um, but that's all. <laughs> yeah, so... Sydney, when you were opening opening us up in prayer, I was, for some reason, the one that stood out to me is is your comment about like even stories stories we've heard like a hundred times or whatever. And this is one of those for me. Like Grace, as soon as you started talking, I was like, oh, this story, you know, like like this one again. And I don't know what I remember of this story as like like what the message was they told us at Sunday school, but I don't think I ever heard the the additional like. I know you said cursed is a bad word, but that's the word that <laughs> that stuck in my brain, right? Like, I don't think I ever, ever heard that, that sort of um, implication on this. And I mean, obviously there's the, the furthering of like God using the least of these, you know, this is a person that's, that's got this sort of stain on their reputation and, and here, and here we are like talking about them being used for awesome things, which is cool. I don't remember that like connection. And I'm like, that's a great connection. Why wouldn't that, be told to me as a little kid in Sunday school. So anyways, that's me just, just call, calling back Sydney's moment in prayer. Cause I was like, Oh sure. Like, I don't know. It doesn't always apply in NX. I don't always know the stories, but this one I knew. And that's cool. Yeah. That's actually funny that you say that Mike. Cause this is, I, I don't know. I grew up in the church. I grew up, you know, a Christian and I didn't read the Bible very much. I, <laughs> <laughs> but I did actually read this whole, I was in a Bible study once, like a little girly Bible study where we met up at Panera on like Saturday mornings and we read through for Samuel. I don't know why, but so I also am like familiar with the story, but um, you know, I'm always, um, I think that again and again, we see stories in scripture about how God is for the underdog. And I feel like we forget that. We forget that. And, um, but God illustrates that again and again. Um, so it's always good to have that reminder. Yay. Grace killing it. We love the Grace commentary. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's going to take us to a break. I don't have a good segue. Um, you probably don't have time to visit a Panera, so uh, you're going to have to stick with this Bible study. See you very soon. <laughs> and we're back. Wow, that was the most chaotic, like... 20 seconds of my life um running pole cool ranch doritos nacho cheese doritos um 
Spoiler alert, Allison's wrong. Okay, but um, what Allison's not going to be wrong about is Psalms 139. Allison, take it away. It is so unfair making that statement and then not giving me a chance to like fight at all, but that's fine. Um, yeah, so I have Psalm 139, 1 through 6, 13 through 18. Um, I, 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 can't, I, I like sometimes when I do these, I'm like, man, it was so hard to pull something out of it, but I actually enjoyed looking into this one, reading through it and kind of pulling things from it. Um, oh gosh, I didn't write down what verse that was. I like pulled a quote from it and I didn't write down what number it was. So, um, that's fun. But at some point in it, it says, uh, God, your plans are incomprehensible to me. Their total number is countless. And so I pulled this one out mostly because, so I have a really hard time with like that sentiment of like, um, everything happens for a reason. It's all part of God's plan for you. Like, this is the path you're supposed to take. Like, I have a really hard time with like that, like everything that happens is one path and that's what's supposed to happen because I have a hard time like believing in like the intentionality of like God wanting us to be through that, go through all that pain and suffering and all the things. Um, so I like to see it as like, there's a countless number of paths we could be on and it kind of veers and swerves. And, and that's just kind of how it works in my head. Um, you know, we might make a decision that leads to something bad, but eventually we'll get back to like that place that we're supposed to be on. Um, and so I just kind of enjoyed reading through this because this, this Psalm specifically, it has a lot of like undertones of that, of like, yeah, your plans are, your plans are incomprehensible to me because their number is countless. And in my head, and I could just be interpreting it wrong, but I interpret it as like, there is all of those paths you can be taking. All of your choices are going to kind of navigate where you do end up. Um, not to say that God doesn't have a plan for you because I mean, he does, but like, I just don't think it's as strict and minute. And like, I don't think it's just like that one step by step. Um, I think there's a lot more that goes into it. Um, and so I really appreciated that about this verse. I also think this verse can be used as a good reminder of like God's presence. So there's a bit of it that talks about, um, well, I did really bad with writing down the verse numbers. Oh, um, Lord, you have examined me. You know me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up, even from far away, you comprehend my plans. You study my traveling and resting. And so it goes on and on talking about like all the things that, you know, he's involved in that he is present with, that he knows what's going on. Um, and so I think this also just has that little like added undertones of like God is always present. Um because I think sometimes we do, you know, when we're going through things, we might not always feel that or know that or see that. And so just verses like this are kind of a good reminder of it. So those are just kind of my two thoughts on this. I have to, I have to admit that Allison, as soon as you, you mentioned, like it's all part of God's plan in response to like grieving, I kind of like almost shut down and got angry. <laughs> like, because I like, and I, I really, I really try really hard not to, like put myself in a world where I'm saying, Oh, like these people are like, this is the right way or the wrong, you know, like, I don't know. I, I want to, everybody should have their own, their own journey, what have you. But like, I just strongly encourage people like to not, to try to avoid that sort of phraseology when talking with somebody who's grieving, because it's just like the most not helpful. And it also like, I've just seen so many people in my life, like, leave faith because of that exact mm -hmm. sort of wrestle like the the wrestle of like hey this person in my life did so much good and then they got taken in such a brutal and painful way i don't get christians anymore like i don't get i can't believe in god because of that and um obviously that's hard to hear and that's that sucks and i don't have like i don't i'm not saying i have a great answer and response but I do know that, like, I don't think it's helpful to be like, "Oh, it's part of God's plan." When you're mm -hmm. when you're speaking to somebody, sorry, uh, when you're speaking to somebody who's like struggling with God and something that happens, the response shouldn't be like, "It's part of God's plan." I feel like that just doubles down and makes it so much worse. Sorry, this is my soapbox. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, no. I just want to add on to it too because I I cannot stand that phrase. Like it, I think that that phrase has the equivalent of being told to calm down. Like when you're upset and someone's like, you need to calm down or, you know, just calm down. Like I think t when, when everything is trash and things are bad and people are grieving or bad things are happening and you say, it's all part of God's plan. Like that's not helpful. Oh, no. It is the least helpful thing in that moment. Just like being told to calm down. Like I think that has the same equivalency in my head, um, which is why I like this first because I feel yeah. like it has that opposite of like 
actually, there are a lot of things that could be happening right now. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And, and just to like also double back, like this is not me saying that I don't believe that people have good intent when they say that. There are plenty of people yeah. that say that with great intent. I guess I'm just encouraging those people to like think through it a little more and maybe find a better way to, to support yeah. their friends. Okay. I'll stop that. Um, I guess to add on a little bit to what you're saying, Mike, like something I feel like in like recent years, a, like something I've kind of like a rule of thumb per se, I guess something that I've revisited is the idea that there are some sentiments that you have to discover for yourself and that you cannot project onto other people. And when it comes to the idea that like everything's happened for a reason or it's da 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 da. The truth is that like when you're in grief um, and you discover that for yourself that like this situation is going to ultimately lead to good things to my growth to better vulnerability to better whatever whatever all the beautiful things that can come from bad situations when you discover that on your own it can be so powerful but when you project it onto somebody else it's like that's like a full stop like some things you just have to be able to discover and some things you know when it comes to supporting others through their grief I feel like it's never it can never be like a I'm going to tell you where to be. I'm going to tell you how far along to be in your healing. I'm going to, you know, it just has to be like, I accept you where you are, period. And if we're still mad, let's be mad together. If we're still, you know, but anyways, I love this scripture. Um, It actually like, I am going to be honest today. I didn't um, read through all of them before the episode started. Um, But (laughs) um, this scripture is one that my mom would pray over me a lot growing up um specifically the first verse verse 13 the for you created my innermost being you knit me together in my mother's womb i praise you because i'm fearfully and wonderfully made um that's when i heard a lot growing up and um i think that this scripture is so good for so many things And I think it's specifically good for people who struggle with a lot of like self-hatred, self-criticism, body image issues, issues of self-love, like um, being able to like know and like remind yourself constantly that like God, the universe, the (laughs) inner, you know, like knows me fully, sees me fully, created me, and also loves me, I feel like there's just this important connection to be made in the scripture between our vulnerability and our being known and being loved and those two things being um, just like so interconnected with our relationship with God and with each other too, to like know that like when we open up to each other and when we let ourselves be known to each other, we will experience love in a way that you wouldn't otherwise. And so, yeah, I love, um, I love this scripture and I love what you talked about, Allison. Yeah, this is, this is Mike, you were saying earlier that you've just heard some, you know, when you like grow up in, in Sunday school and you hear the same passage over and over and Sydney, I just really appreciate like the way that you explain that, um, how you just explained this passage and how it like hit you. Um, Cause like for me, this is one of those passages where like I start reading it and then my brain just goes into like reciting it in my head and I never had to memorize things. Right. But this is just one where it's just, I've heard this. Okay. What's a fun one, you know? Like it, and so it's just, it's nice to like, especially verse 13, like you said, like thinking about it in terms of body image and in terms of like, even being like rejected by society for any, any sort of reason, there's plenty. Um, 
right and thinking about how like god is is knitting us together and putting us together um and yeah i similarly about like telling people that like they're grieving like everything's happening for a reason and like needing the life lesson to just like letting it be your own life lesson i feel like that it works with so many other life lessons right being like oh well I used to do this and you really, that's really not good for you. Like you really shouldn't be doing that or like stay safe. Like you're doing some really irresponsible stuff right now. Like I need you to like stay safe. Like that's really important, but that's not going to hit until it's your own experience, which is really annoying because like, I know when I was going like through whatever and people were telling me things and I was like, okay, you know, and until like people experience it themselves and one, either for something good or something negative, right? Like until you take the time to actually like see what these verses mean to you. I didn't even mean to tie these together. Wow. Thank you, Candler School of Theology. Um, <laughs> like when you have these passages that one, either get ruined for you because people say things like everything happens for a reason or people say any sort of phrase that just like messes with the way that you might see a passage, like taking the time to let that be like your own experience and like reclaiming the passage in a way. But also like, just if you've heard it so many times, right? Like what are even ways that we try to refresh a passage. Um, and I just love what happens when we talk together. I don't know, that was all over the place, but it just, it was really nice that we, talking about it like refreshed this for me and reminded me why I appreciate the fact that God like knit me together. Because this is something that I put in every single sermon. Like I always have some little side comment about like, because we were knit together that God like took that time and made us by hand. And yet it gets boring. So it's nice for something like that to like come alive again. <laughs> that would be like such a wonderful place to end this episode. And now I have to talk. <laughs> so I'm so sorry, everybody, but uh, we'll hang in there a little bit longer as I um as I like ruin what would have been a beautiful bow at the end of this episode. Um, just kidding. But okay. So I am, um, I'm tackling the gospel, John one and then verses 43 through 51. So kind of what's happening here. Um, this is where we get Philip and Nathaniel kind of brought into the fold with Jesus. Uh, I'm just going to talk about a small chunk. I'll read this little piece. So uh, Jesus invites Philip, Philip's joins. And then Philip goes to his buddy, Nathaniel and says, we found the one. Moses wrote about him in the law. All the prophets spoke of the day when he would come, and now he is here. His name is Jesus, son of Joseph the carpenter, and he comes from Nazareth. And Nathaniel says, uh, how can anything good come from a place like Nazareth? <laughs> and Philip says, come with me, see for yourself. And then we get this like really quick switch where like within two seconds, Nathaniel's like bought in. He's like, he's like, um, so he's very scared. How can anything good come from Nazareth? And then Jesus is like, what's up? And then Nathaniel's like, hell yeah, I'm bought in. And that's like, that's the story, which is pretty fun. But um, so I, I read that chunk because I'm kind of compelled by Nathaniel's statement of how can anything good come from a place like Nazareth? One, because it's kind of funny. It's like, it's like, <laughs> whoa, shooting the shit with your yeah shooting you know stuff with your with your home dog oh goodness okay <laughs> and uh um so I'm, I'm compelled by this one because um my brain took it like sort of metaphorically because i never read anything for what it actually like cut and dry i'm like oh how can anything good come from a place like nazareth and my brain hears this as like um encouragement to be better than where we come from both in like um, like our own pasts and then sometimes like the things in our lives that kind of have happened or specifically the things that were taught to us. Like how can anything good come from this place? And then immediately Nathaniel's bought into Jesus so quickly, which is like, um, and maybe this is a little scattered or far-fetched, but um, 
like one, not letting your past hold you down or not letting your past define you. Um, and then that coupled with the fact that Jesus is clearly so incredibly charismatic um, that people so quickly want to want to follow him. I feel like that's a great representation of salvation and the fact that like when we become Christians, like there is a change that occurs. There is a difference and it doesn't happen overnight. And we're not necessarily going to be these people that people are going to buy into right away. But there is a there is a change and we should as Christians hopefully want to see that change in ourselves. Like we should want to be come this person that when people see us and interact with us, that our like past doesn't define us anymore. And we're now defined by our present and our present says that we are um, people that, I don't know, meet people where they're at or are willing to like, like pursue justice and, um, you know, allow anybody into the fold, no matter where they come from. Right. Because we're um, emulating the, very thing that people see in us. I hope that makes sense. Um, so that's one thing. Two, going back to this idea that Jesus was incredibly charismatic. I think I've always read like when Jesus like asked people to join him and then they join him. I've always read this like in the past is like Jesus is some stranger and he goes up to you and says, Hey, follow me. And people are like, sure. Um, which is like one thing that's cool. But, but this time I read it and I was like, well, like Jesus has been around. Like I know people around in my town. And if like Jesus is this charismatic enough person or like there's clearly a reputation around Jesus that has been building up until now. Like Jesus didn't just appear. We, we know that Jesus was born and like lived a whole life and is now asking people to follow, follow him. So I met like, again, this ties back to this idea of reputation. Like Jesus carried with him this reputation that people were willing to hop on board with. And I don't, I don't know if it's sim as simple as saying like, Oh, this is this random stranger that I chose to follow. It's like, no, that's Jesus. That's that guy who I've seen do these awesome things and be really caring for people and like really cool and super dope. Right. Um, I think there's that added layer that I, I've just never thought about before. I don't even know if that's biblically accurate. Maybe Grace can <laughs> speak to that or maybe it's all like hypothetical here or whatever, but um, baseline, just speaking to this, like higher status or not, sorry, absolutely not higher status. It's not what I meant at all. Um, um, speaking to this higher standard that we can hold ourselves to that provides a stark difference from where we come and that, um, where we've come from a place like Nazareth doesn't define us where we come from. Our history doesn't define who we are and where we become. And everybody has the power to change that sometimes easier than um easier said than done sometimes very difficult but um just something worth aspiring to i'll leave it so sorry tech wise i just like totally screwed things up majorly i'll edit this out um you said you'd leave it there so you just I'll leave left it. it there there and here we go so the thing is is that i've taken an old testament course have i taken anything on the new testament yet no so <laughs> um we'll re-record this friends in four to five months when <laughs> no um yeah i don't know you said so many beautiful things and Jesus is such a silly guy. Like, he's just so funny. And I feel like a lot of times, right, like, we focus on, I'm saying a lot of just, like, generalization things today. It's fine. Um, I feel like so often, you know, like, we'll focus on Jesus's, like, majesty and how, like, super serious he is and how he, like, is just doing all these wonderful things. And he's so silly. And he just wants some alone time. Sometimes he just wants to go like take a nap or pray. And yeah, he is like, he's charismatic and he's relatable. There's other things that they're just theories for me. They're not biblically accurate yet. So I'm going to keep those to myself. No. Okay. Jesus is probably autistic. We don't need to have that in this, but Jesus is for sure neuro neurodivergent. Um, 
but I don't know. Like Jesus is just like such a fun little guy. And when we open ourselves up to that too, I just feel like he's like, he's a much cooler, better savior, I guess. I don't know. It's just nice when like the one who was born to save me is also like just kind of funny. <laughs> um, but in like, like I'm being serious, but in another more serious way, whenever we have these like focuses on like, there's these four different texts. Why did we choose these random texts? Um, I love that you also focused on what stood out to me is, is anything good really going to come from a place like Nazareth? Oh my God, Nazareth. Y'all, I'm not just, no, I'm so sorry. <sighs> I need a second. <laughs> okay and I'm so glad that you focused on what I did too that like the same thing stood out because when you mentioned them just you know just saying like can anything good come from somewhere like Nazareth um it also related to what Allison focused on in the Psalms um just thinking like this is too wonderful for me to understand or you at least like pointed it out like this is just too wonderful for me to understand um and this kind of like too wonderful for either for us or is anything too wonderful for god or can anything wonderful happen it's often phrased like that kind of over and over in the Bible. Um, it's just a really beautiful phrase. And I feel like it's come up in at least like my Old Testament passage, right? Like, is anybody too really far gone? Or like, are the least of these or people that like, have been written to be cursed by God? Like, is anything really too wonderful that they're also like, not part of it? And the answer is no, right? Like, they're still Eli was still like an integral part of this story in like building up Samuel. And then, sorry, I've been going for so long, but it is just one of my favorite things whenever passages like this connect and someone connect them, right? Like that's why we're talking about all four of these today, but it is just, it's a beautiful little tie together. So I'm super glad that that also stood out to you, Mikey. Yes. Um, I, for one, Mike, am glad that we didn't end before you got to share because you always do a great job. But um, yes, I love your framing of this. I love your framing of this passage because I think I so often project on like that my takeaway was like, okay, well, like don't count anyone out because of where they're from, which I do think is, is a takeaway. Like, you know, don't look at where someone's from and then assume that they don't have something really special to offer some kind of leadership to offer but then also I think I'm um uplifted or I guess encouraged by the sentiment that you shared Mike because I for one feel like um people have a lot of preconceived notions about what it means to like be an American um and like how Americans are and what Americans think and how Americans believe and um and so sometimes I find myself being kind of like discouraged by that. And I'm like, ugh, like people globally see us as being so like dumb and like this and that. And it's like, but also, and I have so many critiques for America as a place that I come from, but also I can learn from that. I can grow from that. I can expand my mind that where we're from does not dictate um, necessarily who we are, what we believe, what we think, or the lengths to which we can expand our minds and ideology. Um, we can always grow beyond whatever we were taught, born into. Um, also, I just want to add really quick, like the what you were talking about, Mike, about Jesus being charismatic in, in YouTube race. I remember a long time ago that Derek was doing like a a series or something about Jesus and he was talking about how 
Jesus, when we become like Jesus, one thing that will happen is we will start to attract a lot of different kinds of people as something that he is like observed as like something that is like a characteristic of Jesus, that Jesus tracks and pulls in so many different kinds, people who are Pharisees and religious elite and people who were, you know, tax tax collectors, people who were, you know, prostitutes. Like Jesus had this kind of authenticity. And to me, that's the word that I think of the most when I think of what Jesus, the characteristic that Jesus, and that I guess that I'm attracted to in people is when they're so, you can tell there's like this deep connection between what they're projecting and then what's happening internally that Jesus was like so incredibly authentic that people trusted him so quickly or not so quickly, but could tell that Jesus was genuine in what he was saying. And when he told people that they were gifted and that they were, you know, had something to offer that they believed him and that that's something that I always want to, that I'm always striving for is to become a person that when I look somebody in the eye and I compliment them, or when I look someone in the eye and I tell them that I believe in them or that I want to be friends with them or that I love them, that like they will really believe that. Um, And I think that's just like a beautiful thing that I want to be like, that Jesus was like. Yeah. Um, I'm also with Sydney, you know, I'm glad we didn't in there, Mike, because like, like Sydney said, everything you say is always so um, like enlightening. Like it always has this really good touch of like, I I think ending on the gospel is always such a good time. Um, And then also everything you said, uh, both Sydney and Grace, I think fit in so perfectly. Um, I got like fixated on the, you know, don't count people out part, you know, don't count us out, don't count me out, don't count them out. Um, And I think it's from the standpoint of like, I work with adults who are on the autism spectrum. And so a lot of what we do is we teach like self-advocacy for them of like, you know, speak up, tell people what you need, tell people what you want, Um, tell people about you. Cause you know, we have grown as a society, but there are still parts of society who see people with autism as people who cannot do things. And that's just simply not true. It is simply the farthest from the truth. Um, And so a lot of what I do is like help them overcome that. And so I always get stuck on things like that, where you're like, you know, don't count us out. Don't count them out. Don't count me out. All the things. Um, And then I also, I love Sydney. Um, I was already very much into all the words we've been using so far to like describe Jesus in this setting, you know, I'm charismatic. I loved fun little guy. I love like all the things. Um, I love that you added authenticity into the mix Um, because I think, I mean, kind of going, I feel like from little tiny human beings were taught that Jesus is our friend. Um, But I think sometimes it seems, he seems unapproachable just based off of like everything else we talk about, you know? And so I think when we use these words to describe Jesus, I think it seems more approachable. Um, I think it kind of brings back that like little Sunday school teachings that you get of like Jesus is our friend. Um, Just talking about him in these like fun, silly ways of like, this is who he is. You know, we're trying to be like him. We can be fun and we can be silly, um, but we also should be authentic in our true selves and all the things. And those are just my thoughts. Now the song, um, Jesus is my friend. I have a friend in Jesus. It's going to be stuck in my head for the rest of forever. Um, yeah. Thank you guys so much. Um, I'm going to close this out in prayer real quick. And uh, yeah. Uh, God, thank you so much for giving us the chance to have these conversations. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't have much to say. I feel like this, this episode is really representative of what we're trying to do. And I appreciate you for that. Giving us a chance to engage with the scriptures that we know, don't know, have heard a thousand times and just uh, hear different people's takes on them, which is always really cool. So we, as always, we pray that these will be useful to someone and uh, in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for being a fun little guy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Grace, this was your this was your first episode. How do you feel? I am so happy that I was here today with you guys. We're so it's, happy. Yeah, this this is just great. Yeah. Yeah, we're so happy that you were here with us too. Um, yeah, it was awesome. And I'm gonna use fun little guy to refer to Jesus for like the rest of my life now. So he's just a fun little guy. Catch it in our line of merch if <laughs> Eric approves it in uh yeah. Jesus is a fun little guy shirts. That's honestly, we need it. Anyways, uh, this has been Studio Wesley Annex. Allison, Sydney, thank you guys all so much. Um, 
until next time, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.